What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Adam Draper is a co-founder of Boost VC. In this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, space, aliens, oceans, and why investing in weird things delivers great returns. I really enjoyed this conversation, and Adam was as entertaining as always. I really hope you enjoy this as well. This May 10th and 11th, Ethereal Summit is coming to New York City to kick off Blockchain Week. It offers you a chance to go deep into the heart of crypto, blockchain, and Ethereum. Come hang out with Mike Novogratz, Joe Lubin, Tushar Jane, Danny Ryan, and yours truly. You get into the mix with the builders of blockchain and Ethereum. It's less shiller, all killer. Go to etherealsummit.com and use my discount code POMP to get 20% off tickets. I'll see you there on May 10th and 11th at Pioneer Works in Brooklyn. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Bang, bang. I'm here with Adam Draper. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. You have to start okay. out everyone bang, bang. Everyone's okay. just like, bang, they're paying attention I'm going to do sci-fi. Sci-fi. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm here with Pomp. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I'd rather be called Adam Draper. It's a cooler name than Pomp. Arkansas, what up on the live stream? All right, so here we go. Ready? That's a good use. Okay, continue. What's your background? Okay, my background. Everyone knows you as the man who wears their orange pants, but you're actually way more substance I, underneath those pants. The, well, <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> oh God, this is so refreshing. I gotta say thank you for having me on this. I've been, you know, up and down talking to endowments and all these places that you talk to on the regular. Serious people with suits and ties. Yeah, and this it, the energy. You guys, you guys have good energy here. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, uh, my background is okay. So in between high school and college, I play. I'm going way back. Uh, I played uh, tennis in Australia right. uh, for Are, 10 were you months. Good? I was good. I, right. I mean, I was trying to go pro and then I, uh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm I, not, I'm not playing you. Then. <laughs> I, I was going to play you if you're bad. So uh, I got an ego. Boost. And then I ended up at UCLA and I was an English major and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, and then I, um, in, basically, I was forced into the English major. I had enough credits and units towards that. Uh, education. We can talk about education if yeah. you want to. That's I'm waiting for someone to have system. a Twitter major uh, rather than oh English my gosh. major. Twitter major would be so valuable. That's what people should write on their resumes. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Uh, and then, so my background was I started a company. It was called Expert Financial with a guy named Thomas Foley. Um, and we were a secondary market for private securities. Uh, actually, at the same time, uh, Barry Silbert, who's at DCG, I don't know if he's been on this. He should. He is not. Get him he, on this we're going to get him on. Okay. Uh, I, I, I just saw him yesterday and uh, he's he's great. And uh, he was starting, uh, he was working at Second Market. He started Second Market and we were sort of competitive in this secondary market for private security space. Um, and uh, I went on and after about four and a half years of running Expert Financial, we it did end up selling uh, to a company called Venovate. Okay. Uh, Venovate was bought by a company called uh, King. Uh, oh, my God. What was it called? 
Keystone. Keystone. Keystone was bought by Coinbase, Coinbase recently for experts ATS that we had. So technically came full circle. Uh, but uh, because I invested in Coinbase, so you know the value chain works. I um, after expert financial, I realized that the I had a lot of fun uh, mentoring startups and not doing what I di- did and making mistakes. I made okay. a lot of mistakes when what starting was the a company. Mistake you made when you started the company. I think. Uh, had in a regulated space. So we were a broker dealer. We were, uh, we, we had to be a broker dealer, uh, to be able to transact securities. The biggest mistake that we made was, uh, using the sec as a product manager. So like having their input on like how it should be working, uh, so that it is like regulated and secure rather than just if I were to go back and do it, I would not be paid and I would try to facilitate a, tr- a lot of transactions of secondary. So mm-hmm. I would go through the process. Uh, Paul Graham says do things that don't that don't scale. Uh, same system. I would go through the, that system once and then I do it again. And then you use technology to enhance the process. You don't start with the technology. Yep. Uh, and so th- I would say Man, like- You should talk to a lot of crypto people. They're uh, got a little backwards there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean like- it, it, Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is a key thing. You you need to understand who your customer is. Yep. So like w- one of the lead things when people reach out cold to me uh, mm-hmm. in an email, uh, they say like what they do or they lead with the worst was in 2017, 2018 when they were leading with how much money they had oh, yeah, yeah, raised. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was like uh, ICO, only 1 million left, ra- raised 18 or whatever. And it's like, I don't even know what you do. And you've been writing for three sentences. Oh, I'll take it one step further. It was like uh, people would show up and they'd send you a thing about, hey, we have 27,000 people on our Telegram channel. Yeah. Like that's a <laughs> like, metric. Oh, okay, congratulations. That's a, like that's a metric of <laughs> by the, success. By the way, what do you do? <laughs> and so what I ask them now is I say, uh, what, I, I say, well, Who's your customer? Yep. Because at the end of the day, like if I actually find that most startups, most crypto or otherwise don't actually know who the end customer is. Yep. Um, and most of the time it's not who you think it is. And so that ends up being a very intuitive question to see how far along they are in the process. Mm-hmm. If they can succinctly tell me this is who my customer is, this is the demographic and this is how much money we make off of them. You're further along than almost anyone. Absolutely. What did uh, after so the company, what did you do next? Uh, so I founded uh, what was the first ever crowdfunding website for equity. Really? It was called Boost Funder. Okay. Okay. And then what I realized was, uh, it, like, I'm going deeper than I probably need no, to. No, no, no. How I, long is this we, supposed to be? I could be, we, I could we, be we talking for, for ages. Yeah, we, we, um, we might go four hours. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, Unless no. I got to go to the bathroom, then I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll still be here. Uh, the... Uh, so I, I founded uh, Boost Funder, and it was basically my way of going, okay, the SEC regulators, they only care if you're actually making money. Yep. So like, if you're taking a, a fee, they think that the greed is involved. So I was like, I'm not going to take a fee. I'm going to match investors and entrepreneurs online. And so what, I launched it, but I realized that there was a discrepancy between what an investor needs to invest and what an entrepreneur, the level the entrepreneur thinks they are at to get investment. Um, and so I was like, you know what? The best way to solve this is actually uh, offline. Okay. And and so that led to Boost, which uh, founded as an accelerator, but now is a pre-seed fund focused on uh, investing in sci-fi technologies. Okay. Uh, before we get to Boost, um, let's talk about Coinbase. Okay. Because you invested, I think you were the first investor? I Yes, I was the first investor. Okay. They did go through YC though. Okay. So technically did, YC. Describe... 
what your experience with Bitcoin, crypto, et cetera, was pre-Coinbase. And then let's talk about the Coinbase investment. Okay. Uh, that part is a good question because it's very short. Okay. I had no previous experience in digital, digital Bitcoin currencies. Okay. So they, uh, I got a list of companies that sent to me. Um, and I read through all the descriptions and one of them said marketplace for digital currencies. And I said, I do not know what that is. What is a digital currency? What is, I don't know what that is. Um, and so I, I cold emailed Brian Armstrong at Coinbase. Founder, CEO. Yeah, founder, CEO. Um, and I said, uh, and I wrote this email sort of making myself sound better than I was. Uh, and I, I'd invested in a couple of companies um, before Coinbase. Uh, and I said those in the email. And then I said, do you want to meet for coffee? I met at, we, we did. We met at a place called Red Rock, which is in Mountain View. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. It's a good coffee place. It's got good good coffee. Um, and then I, uh, he said that like he's sponsored by right. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> right, I actually, I, I like to thank them because I've written, uh, I've invested in three companies who I met at Red Rock, uh, who total market cap today are worth like $10 billion or something. So, so like, so, so invest, only, come to only the go to Red Rock. <laughs> That's a, uh, the, the collective valuation. Um, and Brian said one thing, and he said a lot of things uh, about his background. I've, I've sort of a, an emerging theory about uh, entrepreneurs, and it's like rational people doing irrational things, um, or irrational people doing rational things also <laughs> works. Uh, but the but Brian Armstrong, he was coming. He left Airbnb. Okay. Uh, and it, at that point, it was a billion dollar company. He had been. He was one of the first hundred employees. Um, and he had started two companies previously. So like this founder looks on paper very like rational. Yep. And when I was talking to him, he was very rational. But what he said to me was at some point, the world is going to be on one financial infrastructure. And the concept of that means all of the countries have to have a connected financial infrastructure, mm-hmm. which is an insane concept. Mm-hmm. And he's saying Bitcoin at that time, Bitcoin is going to be that financial infrastructure. And he was referring to himself and saying, what Coinbase is, is the gateway. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be the Netscape to the browser, to the internet. Um, and I just started to obsess over this concept of uh, a connected financial infrastructure. And so what I did was I did diligence and I started talking to other people in the Bitcoin world. He referred me to a couple people and I talked to a couple more people. Who were the people you talked to? So I talked to someone who, it was a founder at, uh, his name was Laron, um, who was at, uh, it was an app search engine at the time called Quixie. He was the CTO. And then I talked to Bill Bardite, uh, who runs Abra, Abra now. Yeah. Uh, I talked to, I talked to, a, it was a bunch of people who are now like, you know, thought leaders mm-hmm. in the space actually. And the and the overarching consensus that I felt was this is the most dynamic community of people, like whether or not the technology is there, like these are these are like some of the most dynamic people, smartest dynamic by dynamic. I mean, like smartest, but also uh, like passionate about changing the world Mm -hmm. and a little crazy, like all of them are a little crazy, um, but they all seem, they all have these backgrounds. Like my first experiences with Bitcoin were not drug deals or anything like that. It was, it was literally like people with 15 years of experience in finance. Trying to buy coffee with Bitcoin at Red Rock. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to buy coffee with Bitcoin at Red Rock. Uh, (laughs) 
And I, uh, <laughs> Red Rock, I need to go there again. I need to start having my meetings there. I'll, but, but we'll buy the building at some point and just be like, Perfect. have all my meetings. It'll be a co working space. Um, we'll do it together, Pump. Um, right, that's fine. The uh, And so that was my story with Coinbase. I, I ended up investing because of the dynamic uh, community as well as this just, you know, rational person doing unrational things. Um, Irrational things. Yeah. So Kanye, who uh, had, is a legend on Twitter at this point, uh, says, tell me a genius you know that isn't crazy. Mm-hmm. And there's an element of what you're describing that fits that it's, in terms It's of- like they fit the... Yeah. It's like they're, they are crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't even run. All of them are crazy. Yep. But they come off as semi-rational. Yeah. Yeah. It, Elon is like probably the perfect example. Like he actually, if you sit down and you listen to him talk, you're like, you know what? Uh, I could see how he could get through an entire conversation and say everything he just said with a straight face and no one thinks he's crazy. But do you understand the guy just said that we're going to go to Mars? Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 see, nuts. that's what I'm talking about. Like the, the like, uh, you know, the person. Exactly. Elon's perfect example. Elon's a perfect example where it's like on on paper, hey, he sold PayPal. He like, you know, has this yep. background of building and delivering. And then he says, oh, we're going to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Elon's a perfect example. All right. So uh, as you're building Boost, uh, let's go through how you actually. Well, what does Boost mean, by the way, first of all? Uh, so Boost means like B O O S T, but not Boost Mobile, like the phone carrier. That's so funny. We used to get a lot of overlap of people being like, really? "Oh, you work at Boost Mobile." Uh, <laughs> early, early on in the like, people would like tap me on the shoulder and be like, "Oh, you work at Boost Mobile." <laughs> Man, my um, phone doesn't work, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Boost Wireless. So uh, Boost is a community of people. Uh, we have housing and office space. Oh, okay. In uh, downtown San Mateo, and so in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley. And we bring people from all over the world working in uh, highly technical industries like crypto mm-hmm. and virtual reality and oceans and space. Uh, and we bring them and it's almost like a home base for companies uh, and startups to be able to connect to Silicon Valley. Okay. So it's almost like, uh, so we, they can live there, work there. Uh, our accelerator program, we run once a year and the companies uh, come in for three months and they live in the housing, work in the office space. We're running a program right now with 20 startups, um, n- nine crypto, fantastic stuff. And the, uh, yeah. And so that like boost, what we, what I feel is that um, being for venture capital, being the connection to the entrepreneur at the earliest stage closest to the idea is the most powerful position to be. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is try to provide sort of a safe spot, a home base for those people to be able to really innovate in the Bay Area while also being able to connect to a network in Silicon Valley. Got it. Why set up in San Mateo rather than San Francisco? Uh, For those that don't know, San Mateo is outside of the city. (laughs) Think of it that way. And San Francisco is a city. So uh, one reason would be that w- we have the housing and office space there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason that's, that's is- That's a good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's where the building that's, is? Okay. That's where the building is. And since we've moved in, like I've seen a whole cultural shift from uh, San Mateo being a very sleepy town mm-hmm. to listening in at coffee shops and deals are being done. Mm-hmm. And that's like, a, it, it was a seismic shift over the last seven years of watching these different people um, come in uh, and just change the world. And it's been fantastic to watch. YouTube, found in San Mateo. AdMob, 
San Mateo. So Google only buys things that are in, started in San Mateo. So that's like two things now, right? That's like go two to, things. Go to Red Rock, and then if you start a Red company Rock, in San Mateo, San Google, Mateo. Google you should. Buy it. It's got it's got deep roots, root, rooted DNA, but it also has boost, and yeah. we're we're. we're <laughs> And now we've backed 300 startups. Okay, uh, all right. So, so you guys are accelerating companies and you are also investing in companies that don't go through the accelerator as well. Correct. So right. we started as an accelerator. Okay. Um, and uh, I found that to be the best way to uh, sort of reach to solve this problem of getting to know the entrepreneur earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we verticalized into Bitcoin and virtual reality. And then as we, uh, you know, developed a very a brand and we started to understand that w- there were companies outside the accelerator who w- wouldn't join, uh, who are third time founders who, uh, uh, you know, are in the crypto space or the virtual reality space. We wanted to be able to invest in great people, and yep. so being able to write a two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollar check allows us to do that, also. Uh, and you're trying to invest as early as possible. Always, we try to be first check. More than anything, we want to make the decision for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We always like to just say, like, we're the f- first decision. One of we say first check, but it re- like there could be someone else in, and like we, yeah. we just want to actively make the decision for ourselves whether or not we are investing. Got it. Um, let's go to all the non-crypto stuff first. Sure. VR. I have strong opinions on crypto also. I I know you do. That's why I'm going to save it till the end when you're tired. Okay. Uh, VR, AR, ocean, space. Like you guys are going after all these different verticals. Let's start with VR and AR first. Okay. Why are you excited? I think it's super important that we start with VR, AR first. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Here, let me stop you for a second. We're going to start with VR, AR. (laughs) The, uh. So Adam has taken over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week was this week is actually GDC, which is the Gaming Developers Conference, and tons of it's VR now. Like mm-hmm. almost like a huge segment of this conference, that's one of the biggest gaming conferences in the world, yep. has taken over and is virtual reality. Describe the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality for people that don't know. Okay, so virtual reality is I am enclosing myself in a new world. Of digital proportions. You put goggles on. You put full goggles on um, and you don't see beyond your goggles. It could be, you could be in space, you could be in Athens, Greece. It's like 100% artificial or synthetic world. Yeah. I like that. Synthetic world. Ideal with synthetic worlds. I just made it up. Yeah. So augmented reality is overlaying data on our real world. Mm -hmm. I would uh, say like um, if you played the Pokemon game, Mm -hmm. uh, Niantic, they overlay little Pokemons on uh, your phone, which is overlaid on the world. I would actually argue that the first major augmented reality platform is actually audio. So it's Alexa or AirPods or um, because it's overlaying data on our world. It's just not visual. Um, virtual reality is very, very visual. It's yep. very difficult to do like a radio version of virtual reality um, because it's fully immersive. It is you are being teleported to this other place. Dude, when Apple figures out the battery life on the AirPods, I'm never taking that out of my ear. Right. It, it, it's incredible. They're training us. It, it's Little incredible. at a time. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's incredible. Yeah. What it. Yeah. I, but before we die, so that before we die, are they going to have implants? You're already hooked into the AR. You're on an AR platform. That's augmented reality. So listening to podcasts, that's overlaying your world with, because with AR, audio. AR has multiple components, which can be visual and audio. Completely. Right? Uh, actually. And also, like, once they start tuning into, like, Google, 
Yep. Uh, and like saying where you are, that's a true AR application mm-hmm. in Siri. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it starts to say like, hey, you're supposed to take a left turn to get into this building, go up, you know, 74 go, floors go, or whatever. Go wherever, to the two elevators. Adam had some issues getting in, so we're going to give him a hard time. Uh, yeah, the I had to go get him in the lobby and everyone looked at me weird. Um, mm-hmm. But so, so yeah. let me tell you this, though. I went in L.A. and I wish that I remembered the organization because I'd love to give him credit for this. But uh, it's a VR application. And uh, this young kid uh, was an advertising agency that uh, I think his father ran. And he said to me, hey, come look at this. I want to show you this new demo. And so I went this probably two, two and a half years ago uh, or maybe even three years ago now. And uh, so he says, uh, put these goggles on, put them on. And all of a sudden I'm standing on top of uh, the Freedom Tower. Yeah. Right. And in it. All of a sudden, as soon as I put the goggles on, uh, I started looking around and I have headphones on and I could hear wind. Yeah. And then he goes, move your right foot six inches to like a step off the ledge. No, no, even better. And when I move my foot, there's a rope that they have laid on the ground while I put the goggles on. So now all of a sudden there's a, my foot feels a rope. I see a rope. As if I'm walking in between the two towers and I hear wind and when I go to move my feet, they turn on a light fan and now my, the rest of my body feels wind blowing. So think about the sensory overload oh, of like visual, audio, rope touching your foot and you feel the wind. I, I wouldn't walk. No. I was like, no, 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 no. So it no, turns no. out it's like nine out of ten people don't walk. And I was like, I'm good. I'm yeah, out. It's, it's, it's incredible. Actually, there's a uh, new experience that's in – so there, we, we backed one called Spaces that's a Terminator experience. And okay. then there's another one called Sandbox. And what they are are uh, group experiences where you're all tethered up and you can see each other in virtual reality. And then you kill Terminators yep, or yeah, zombies yeah. or whatever the escape the room of that uh, experience is. It's really fascinating because it gives you a good experience of like of anxiety and mm-hmm. like things coming at you. Um, there is what, – what is crazy is uh, – so I, I, I think they're – so 7 million high-end headsets were sold. Okay. Okay. So market size isn't that big, right? Mm-hmm. But I would argue that only half of them are actually set up. So three okay, so – smaller. So they sold 7 million and uh-huh. three and a half got set up. Yeah. And I okay. think th- So I think 50% of them are set up. So 3.5 million are set up. I would argue that only 20% of them though are active. So that's like a market size of like 700,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but – uh, there's a company that made $15 million last year in virtual reality. A third party built an application that is on all the devices that made $15 million. On maybe 700,000 to a On 700,000 users. Like once we scale the actual numbers, like it is captivating. Like this stuff is great. And the, someone was asking me earlier today, uh, when's the technology going to be good enough? Like it's good enough. It's just harder to use and the new device that's coming out next month mm-hmm. I'm like an advertisement for uh, for Facebook Facebook is Facebook is releasing something called the oculus quest mm-hmm. uh, and it's an all-in-one headset you don't need a computer you literally just unbox it put it on your head and you can uh, you can do all the applications that basically everything that's been built for the high-end computer yep. stuff so it's fascinating the airpod <coughs> example because uh, audio is obviously exploding mm-hmm. and do you think that that is because audio was exploding and then the device of an AirPod empowered more people to listen? Or do you think the AirPod creation empowers the explosion of audio? Like, like is it the, the medium or is it the device that leads the charge? So I think it's about persistence. Okay. So I think uh, 
Okay, the difference between a laptop and a mobile phone are not that much different mm-hmm. in computer power. Mm-hmm. It's basically like you have a computer in your pocket or a computer uh, on device. But uh, the main difference is context. So I work on my desktop when I need to sit down and it's old world. Some people probably only run on their mobile phone. Mm-hmm. But, but the reason that the mobile phone took off so fast was that there were these intermittent spots where you could do work or play games. Mm-hmm. So the bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, the train. I, the, I, I'm willing to bet that, what do you think, 10, maybe 20% of phone usage is in the bathroom? Oh, I bet. I, for early adoption, I bet it was, for, of the smartphone, I bet it was like 50%. Whoa. For early adoption. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. now it would be less. It'd be, it's like we're using it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, I, I bet it was a huge part of it. Yeah. I always, I always thought just like focusing on Toilet games would be a great market. <laughs> the, uh, that's fair. I uh, and and so by what I mean by it's about persistence though is like the mobile phone became more persistent than the desktop mm-hmm. just on usability. Yep. And now we're moving to something that is c- currently could always be in your ears mm-hmm. that is still accessing computer. Mm-hmm. And so you can suddenly start to see a world where we're talking to our phone constantly, and it's almost a. Me, it, it, you could tether audio applications from your phone to your ears. Dude, you know what I want so badly? Like, just give me the answers and tell me who the person is. Like, I, I want to leave the AirPods in, and when the AirPod knows... Who you're meeting you, with? Well, just not even who I'm meeting with, but just, like, you run into somebody, whether it's at a conference, on the street, in a coffee shop, Dude, Red Rock, right? That, Wherever. We're, we're, we're definitely, just tell me who the hell this person is. I mean, the glasses are definitely going to do that. Yep. You you would have to have a way of identifying which Bluetooth. I mean, like, if people are enabled, like, there's a way. There's, mm-hmm. there's yeah, a yeah, technical if everyone, way. If every, system, if every system was connected, you could do it for sure. Yeah. But just, like, that's a use case, right? Direction is definitely a use case uh and the part that i always go to is like everyone's like oh, i would never get an implant in my brain i'm like bullshit you're telling me that if all of a sudden you could think I, a question and get the thought or and get the answer immediately you wouldn't be interested in that i think well yes like you just have google in your brain yeah what are you talking about well, also people have surgery that are just purely cosmetic people will probably have surgery for uh Non-cosmetic. Humans humans are actually really irrational. Yeah, humans are actually really irrational. And it would be a very human thing to be like, oh, like, yeah, sure, we'll like fix our noses and whatever. But not not fix our brains. Yeah, let's not let's not let's not put anything in my brain. That's too dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. yeah, Have you looked at um Neuralink or like um was it Kernel? So Kernel, Neuralink, there's another one called Pandromics. Okay, I don't know about uh, that. So I looked into that. It's been a while since I've looked, like maybe two years almost. Yeah, so I looked into the space. I I mean, it's early. Like, yeah, and yeah, mostly, we, we just named all the whole market. <laughs> that's it's like the whole three market. Companies, and the, it is two, the whole two of the best founders of our lifetime are working on them. But yeah. still, and that's very, very true. And the uh, and it, it's going to cost a lot of money. And it also you have to go through medical compliance stuff. Yep. That's Bri- one. Brian Johnson. For those that don't know, Brian Johnson uh, sold what Braintree. Right. Yeah, I think and, they, I think uh, sold and he started kernel, and it's basically an implantable device. Uh, I actually think they call it a uh, mental prosthetic. Like he's very careful yes. about the way that he describes oh, it, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Is, is, which is smart. I like mental um, prosthetic. But yeah, yeah, but he committed, I think, a hundred million dollars of his own personal capital to yeah. uh, to fund this thing. So like, expensive might be an understatement. It, that it, literally he couldn't raise the money; he had to personally put the money up. Oh, completely. And I I, I think it's going to be passionate people who are going to rational people doing irrational things. Uh, 
who are going to change that industry. Yeah. And the Elon again, like he's putting, I think he he's putting up most of the capital. I don't think he raised money for mm-hmm. Neuralink. It's probably like the early days of the uh, what's the whole, whole one the. Um, the hole in the ground, the um, uh, boring company. Boring company. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah I have a, a wild theory. I don't think that he's boring holes in the ground for traffic. I think he's practicing for Mars. Oh, it's brilliant. A, a, he's a, like, we need to learn about this. Well, the, the so I think this is true. And of course, Twitter will correct us if, if I'm wrong on this um, at some point. But uh, I'm pretty well, sure. Well, you're always right. And Twitter no, cannot no, be right. <laughs> no, no, no. As Twitter's reminded me many times, I'm usually not right. <laughs> but I think that. On Mars, it's going to be really difficult for us to live above ground based on some of the atmospheric uh, like conditions. Yeah. And so there's a theory that the best way if we get to Mars is to actually – Have you read Red Rising? No, I haven't. What's that? Oh, fantastic series. Okay. Uh, and it's about basically what you're talking about okay. where we're, we're going to be living beneath the surface of Mars. and I, yeah. Maybe this is where this theory came from then or something. No, I don't, I don't think – well, maybe. It could have been. It was just – it's a sci-fi book. Basically okay. everything okay. in sci-fi books – Comes yeah, yeah. from uh, from from Very the true. world builds those things. Who, who says that they're like you know if you want to see the future like re, you know look at sci-fi or something? Yeah, I mean Isaac Asimov basically predicted artificial intelligence, uh, and he did in iRobot and in Psycho in uh, the Foundation, and then the um, I mean. I'm trying to build magic with VR, and that's basically Harry Potter. Did Did you see uh, Ready Player One? Oh yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. Like pro- probably one of the better movies I've seen in a while. And the way that it was done was just crazy enough that it was like, whoa, this is possible. And just rational enough where you could see like we're going to get there. It, 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 after that movie came out, I was so happy because it, it it's going to uh, translate what virtual reality is to a millions of people who have never thought what a what it would be like. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is, and it worked really, really well. They did the headset stuff really well. They showed how the world's going to change, bad and good, really well. I don't want to uh, out this person, but there's a uh, an older gentleman that uh, I'm uh, just fascinated with, and, and one day I said something about virtual reality. And he goes, "What do you, what do you these young people talk about virtual reality? Don't you got that virtual reality on your computer?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and what he said, what he meant was like, you're going into a virtual reality and you're like, it's, it's not it stuck is. to your face, but you are going into so, a virtual reality. And I was like, you're actually really right. So the difference uh, between a the, the desktop and VR is immersion. So we we currently interact with all this data uh, with a, through a window. So we're looking at a window yep. to that data where now we can actually fully immerse ourselves in that data and feel and experience it. I think that we, the killer, there are three things that VR is epic for, like right. amazing for. Uh, the surprising one to me is fitness. So yeah, yeah. with well, Tonal and a bunch of these are all the, getting the, close. We, right? we have uh, FitXR, BoxVR, uh, the YUR, like there are a couple. It was okay. just surprising. Like when you go to- Which ones did you invest so, in? Let's so do when, you go to, when you go to VR, oh, I did, uh, sorry, oh. BoxVR and FitX. Uh, FitXR run, runs BoxVR and okay. then uh, YUR is the, is the other one. And uh, I don't we, want founders to get mad at you that you're not we, mentioning your, we, oh, uh, your, your portfolios. Oh, they-, they well, I hope they're not mad either. Yeah, that's fine. You only invested in 300 companies. Yeah. Like, we, like we, we'll be here all We day. could just sit here listing <laughs> things off. All right. Go back to VR but, fitness. But but when you go on, on tw- VR, Twitter, uh, VR it's, Twitter, it's all about uh, how many pounds are being lost uh, using the, the device. And, um, and, and it's hitting a different demographic of a person who might not want to go to Equinox. 
like yeah. they they're, they want to play games, but they don't want to uh, you know go go, go somewhere else. Go have, you, have you seen actively uh, to a different location? The Black Mirror episode where they're on and they're pedaling and they got to stay pedaling. No, I haven't. Oh I, man, it's basically they're pedaling a real bicycle that's stationary, and they're all in a room and they're you know essentially enslaved there to some degree and they're looking on a screen and they have to keep pedaling like keep the lights on type stuff yeah i mean we're pretty close to that i'll listen i'll I'll give i'll give my girlfriend a hard time like she's got an apple watch uh and she will literally like it says stand up, she'll stand up. Like, like, hey, you got to get steps don't, in. Don't, like, you got to, like, compete with your friend. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you have to, like, compete with your friend. Like, that's virtual reality to some degree. It is. Right? Like, no, it's... It, this it, machine is telling you what to do. There's a digital world that is that we live in already, and we're just getting closer and closer to being able to see it with our eyes. Like, it's already all around us all the yeah. time. Like, all this data, all this stuff. Well, Elon will tell us that we're in a simulation anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, th- now we're building a simulation in a simulation, so... Uh, like it, it, yeah, <laughs> it's the in- movie Inception. That's what we're gonna be in. All right, so AR VR big deal. Okay, uh, yes, I'm a believer. A big deal. Um, do you think AR or VR hits mass like mainstream adoption first? I think VR hits first, and that's Wait, contrarian to the market. Yeah, so, why? Well, okay, visual AR uh, will not hit until after virtual reality. If visual AR, so I'm okay. I think AirPods, AirPods are, are here, and I think they're here. And Dude, I think I just said an iPod. Like, can you imagine if we still had iPods? That'd be crazy. I mean, we do. It's just digital now. It's all application. It's yeah, like one it's app. Like, now we just put like and phone, we have multiple we put a phone of that app. app. We put we have, a phone app in there. We have we multiple of those though, and the, <laughs> the, like I have lots of iPods. Um, the I think VR hits first uh, because. AR is a very, very difficult technology challenge. It has to recognize the external world and then overlay data on top of that world uh-huh. where VR literally just needs to replace your world with a digital screen. And it's uh, they're both difficult, but like I think AR's technology is just it's a couple it's three years behind. Like it's literally the timeline is three years um, behind. I like this. I'm going to disagree with you. OK, perfect. Go. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you why. I'm just going to disagree. No, no, oh, by the way, it, a lot of people disagree with me. No, no, he, Lots of people disagree so with me. So I, I agree with what you just alone. said. You're not alone. I agree with what you just said. But I think the piece that I would take past that would be even though the technology is, quote, unquote, worse or, or not as developed as VR, the method in which it is uh, utilized is more important than the quality of the technology. And people are – it's less scary to engage with AR than it is VR. Like I, like, I fundamentally think that a lot of mass consumers are like, no way I'm putting those goggles on sitting on my couch and like looking like a loser. Well, it means that we have to deliver a good enough service. True. Yeah. I so did, we, we have to AR, create the habit. The AR and that's why I led with fitness. So fitness being the first of the thing. I haven't even said the other two. The other is okay. <laughs> the other is training. So training, training but, which basically means education. Okay. So we're getting closer and closer to the matrix. You know, like I know Kung Fu. Yep. That we're there uh, basically. Do you think Kung Fu is the first training that works? Uh, no, it's enterprise so uh training for uh, we have a company called apex officer that trains uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. uh, vantage point for hr mm-hmm. uh like different types of training uh in different its context is what dif- is different about the training um and then oh man i forget i forget the name of the company and uh and uh, the founder is going to kill me for this but uh in 2015, I met him and he said, I'm going to use uh, basically synthetic environments, right, or artificial environments to do interviews. 
And so it was like, if you were a customer support person, they would literally, the interview would be, we're just going to put you in this environment. And like, bam, somebody just called, bam, now you just got an email. Now your boss just sent you an email, like, and you have to like, so, so just Wal- do the job for a day. Walmart is already training their employees. H- hired uh, is the name. Of, I forget. All right, keep going. Uh, Walmart's already training their employees uh, with virtual reality for Black Fridays. Really? Yeah. So what, like, what they, like they're training Kung Fu for Black Friday? Yeah, basically it's Kung Fu for <laughs> Black Friday. They come out and they go, I know Kung Fu. Um, they do because it's a high stress situation. Yep. And we will, we as humans if we experience something multiple times, we come more desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. So you can be ready for it and you can do what you feel you should be doing rather yep. than like the, sometimes the response is fight or flight. And like, you know, that's, I guess what they experience on the reg on in, black Fridays in, uh, in the army, we did these like VR simulations and, uh, you put the, goggles on or whatever and you get in like they're almost like a skeleton vehicle so they kind of feel like a vehicle you're standing yeah. like in the gun turret whatever uh and they put you through the simulations and like i don't know it's kind of janky uh like cartoonish you know type yeah. of content but like hey man that dude over there on the right side of the screen shooting at you like but shoot back right or like yeah, completely. hey man like somebody over the radio just said x like what are you gonna do so i uh i did something really cool in vr uh recently which was um, I've been using it. So I've actually found deals in VR. So I like actually you, like you put on goggles and then you. Yeah, I, I like set up meeting times with with startups and I've invested in three companies that I met originally in virtual reality in a meeting. And I'd say three meetings a you week. You realize that that sounds insane. Exactly. All right. No, we live in the future. All right. You're uh, in the future. We're just pulling you back to reality for a second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just for this podcast, I came back. And I, I'm, I'm from the future. I'm trying to articulate what it looks like. The, and the uh, th- that is a big part of my job, by the way. I have to like retell the stories of like how this technology impacts people. Um, but for me personally, I... I'm running a, I took eight of our VR portfolio companies. I actually haven't even talked about this anywhere. So this is the, you, you this all This is an exclusive. You see what we this. do off the chain. We get exclusives. Yeah. You, you get to hear about the, the first That makes ever. me sound like a reporter and I couldn't do that. Yeah, we're, we're not reporting. Uh, but we, uh, I have taken uh, eight of our companies who are in our portfolio, already went through an accelerator or we invested in. And every two weeks we meet up in VR. Um, and we, what do you guys do? Well, I hold them accountable on numbers and metrics, and then we do what an accelerator does. Like it's a, it's a VR accelerator, and we hold them accountable on uh, on metrics. And then what ends up happening is we talk around one topic. Uh, for instance, like someone brought up, I'm nervous about launching, like launching my application. Yeah. So someone else said, I've already launched. This is how Facebook works. Uh, for launching and this is how to become a launch partner that's information i couldn't have given them but yep. the group can collaborate and solve the questions solve like, the mean, answers. basically what you're talking about is rather than use like google hangouts and have six yes. or seven people you're just doing it in vr yes yep. yes but the is so it better than google exponentially hangouts? better than Why? google hangouts um so one-to-one i would say they're equivalent like if, if i'm only working if doing this this yeah. is okay, Google Hangouts or in VR. Like it works both ways. But in collaborative environments where you need to work on a whiteboard or you have to solve a difficult problem, getting into a room together, this is it's the difference between this and Google Hangouts. Got it. Like it, it it's difficult to quantify, but yeah. I would argue that it's about five to ten x better for collaborative environments. So for my situation where I have a group of people who are all talking. It's fantastic, like the group. Um, but I also ran an investor day 
in VR. And so all the investors had to get in VR? They had to jump into VR and meet these companies. Man, that really kind of probably filtered out a bunch of the idiots. Well, we, we, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, no. So what I, in order to mitigate that risk, <laughs> I, I brought them all into uh, our office. Oh, you did like real reality. And, 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 then you did and reality. so we, we had like this merger of reality VR where the investors were on one side and the companies were on the other side. Of the virtual reality. Did uh, did you see the photo of Zuck walking into uh, F8 and everyone's got on the yeah. uh, thing? Like, was it kind of like that? Uh, it was, well, it, so I, I didn't have that many people. Okay. But, and they, what I, how I set it up was more like investors hang out and have appetizers and then they can opportunistically jump into got headset it. and they meet two at a time in each headset. Um, it worked really, really well. I'm very happy about it. It was a small scale representation of what I hope to scale out to a bigger audience. Um, it's going to be fun. It's really fun. So that's VR. VR, AR. What about the oceans? Okay. Oceans. Uh, I'm obsessed with the oceans. Why? Um, okay. Do you want the long story or the short story? We, We can do whatever we want. Long story. Okay. Uh, the long story starts at a bachelor party. Okay, perfect. Okay. Was it yours? Uh, no, it was my brother's. Okay. And uh, will, will he kill you for telling these stories? No. Okay. Well, tell the, tell the more extreme story than so no. kill you. <laughs> uh, Billy, right, Billy, Billy, sorry. Um, the uh, no. So I was at a bachelor party, and uh, we were uh, at a, we were at a bar, and we were playing hot takes. You said that like you're not supposed to be at the bar. <laughs> we were at a bar. Uh, the uh, but we were playing hot takes. Uh, hot take is like something you believe that the rest of the world would hate you for. Okay. Basically. What was your uh, so like for example, just to give other people an example, like an example would be like. Uh, Ja Rule is the greatest rapper of all time. Like right now, that would be the hottest take of all time. You think so? Yeah, it would be a very hot take because why? Fire Festival for no, like but, all no, that but, stuff. No, but very, I would argue that's why Fire Festival was Fire Festival because Ja Rule Because Ja Rule, so it makes him. So I would have taken the opposite side of that. So, okay. So that that's what I'm saying is that basically Ja, ja Rule. Like, being, dude, nothing like just barking at people on a CD to get you famous. Ex- yes. <laughs> and so I, uh, so my hot take was that climate change is not a thing. Jesus. Okay. All right. And so, so, but uh, so I I, this that. is, this is why I'm giving you the, the like full story. Uh, so wait, is this something that you have to believe if you say it? So you believe it. You so, believe it. but, okay. but also everyone's just like making fun of each other. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a like coordinated game. I just want to make sure that when the press okay. read, read this, like when they listen okay. to this, they say Adam Draper doesn't believe. But, but I said, but I said that. And then what I said was, uh, then my friend almost punched me in the face. Okay. Uh, okay. Because he was so viscerally, he had this visceral reaction. He didn't know anything about climate change, but like everyone got super angry about my reaction to it. And I didn't know anything about climate change. So, so like, I'm not going to like, it was, it was like strictly off of the media telling me it's a thing. I said, it's not a thing. Um, we're crypto people, people like I'm a, I'm a check, check the facts. So that next year, the next 12 months, I read books. I learned about climate change. I learned about global warming and, and the, uh, what do you think now? Okay. So, I think it's a ridiculous debate because it's okay. not even about whether or not the climate, the earth is warming, which, by the way, the way that we use to measure the data, I don't completely trust. But I do believe that climate change is happening. OK. OK. But it's the argument isn't about like, whether isn't or not global, it's happening. But isn't global warming and climate change, they could be the same thing or they, they could be different. Well, they are the same thing. They're, they're, they used a different word to no, describe but, the concept. But, and again, I'll caveat all this. Basically, with, climate change, global warming was the first word everyone used for climate change. Yeah, like, yeah but if the, let's just change. say that the 
climate was changing the other way. It was getting colder, which I'm not claiming that it it's is. Still, but that'd be climate change. That's still about warming. Well, they, they, they rebranded global warming because people were arguing about uh, like That like, was their argument against it. it. I'm just like three years late. Got it. <laughs> yeah. You're three years late. But like no one actually checked the – no one read books. No one checks everything. Everyone just had an opinion. And I like to figure out like where these uh, friction points are figure out where the truth is, right? Like that's where the discoverers of truth. Um, and so what I, I did, I'm not going to say that I know for a fact what the truth is, but I know that I believe that the climate is warming or right. or getting more extreme. Let's right. say getting more extreme, which is what climate change is. They're right. talking about extremities. Um, but the argument is about really it's are humans causing it or is it a natural yep. system? So my thought is like, because I believe that climate change is happening, happening. Uh, whether or not it's human caused or not, like we should probably the the ocean is the uh, regulator of the Earth's temperature. Mm-hmm. Many people don't know that. Yeah, it's the the reason that we exist is because there's enough like uh, dissolving of H two O that we don't get hit by the whole heat wave, um, and and CO two actually doesn't have anything to do with climate. Like it very little to do with climate. It's all it's mostly H two O, and so the ocean has a you know a trash heap the size of Texas in the middle of it. So we might as well clean it up to like check it off the box of like human caused climate change. Okay. Um, and so, but. Okay, this is the long way of saying, and I don't, I don't know if you. Uh, no, no, I care. Okay, you care. Thank you. I found the person. Um, basically, my name is Adam Draper, and I'm part of Oceans Anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a room of one. I go into VR and I go to my Oceans Anonymous, <laughs> Anonymous meetings every week. All right, keep um, going. But basically, uh, oceans have a huge problem. And the problem is, uh, <laughs> I've lost some people. Uh, the some people o- dropped off, but then other people are saying very interesting. So okay. there's, there's a couple other oceans. Okay, well, 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 I care too. Good. Uh, the oceans um, have it, it's a business model problem. Basically, everyone thinks of it as a nonprofit. Okay. Because and naturally, the United States and every country's uh, issue is that no one owns the ocean. Mm-hmm. So our incentive is actually to throw trash in the middle of the water. Yep. Everyone's incentive is to throw it in the middle of the water so that it's not our problem. So naturally, it's a tragedy of the commons problem. Mm-hmm. So like naturally, it became a trash heap. So the key is to change the business model of the ocean from a tragedy of the commons thing to a ownership model of okay. the ocean. So what I'm trying to say on this podcast is I own the ocean. Okay. It's mine. And, and what are you going to do with it? Can well, I have some? Well, it's my problem now. Do you want some? I, I don't know. What, what are the problems? <laughs> <laughs> well, can, so, I, can I make money? But there are huge markets in it. So okay. aquaculture is a $250 billion a year market. What, what, what does that word mean? So uh, fish farming. Fish farming. Okay, got it. Fish farming, $250 billion for, for a year. For normal people like me, fish farming makes yeah. more sense. And there's no technology infrastructure. It's literally just like. And we're, and we're literally like, uh, just like you would um, create animals to then eat them. Yeah. We're just creating fish. To eat them. To eat them. Okay, yeah, got completely. It. And we, there are seaweed farms and other farms just like Dude, vegetables. Se- okay, hold on. Pause. Seaweed farms. Really weird that I know this. Uh, I went super deep and I wanted to start a seaweed farm at one point. I sort of still do. Okay, we, we can partner up. Let's we'll, do we'll it. We'll find some young kid who wants to go play in the ocean and do the seaweed farming. Uh, yeah, hey, there's somebody who's listening is, to this. Is anyone going uh, to comment on this? Uh, if, if you want to start a seaweed farm, reach out to Adam. And but I. continue seaweed farm. So there's a kid. Uh, the reason why I figured this out was there's a kid, I think in Seattle maybe, or somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. What he did was he was uh, young, like – 
16 to 18 years old, start a seaweed farm. And what he was doing was uh, his whole play uh, in the local paper said something like, he realized that there was a special type of seaweed that if you grew it, you could then put it into cow feed. And that cow feed could drastically reduce the gas output of the cows, aka cow farts. So making vegan cows. Uh, well, they're already vegans. Well, 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 kind of, but in the sense of this was just an additive to the food they were already eating. Yeah. And it drastically reduced the CO2 emission of the cow, which is cow fart. And there, at one point, and I don't know if this is still – people believe this or not, but the cow farts were a major contributor to global to, warming. To global warming. And so this whole thing was one of the best ways to attack global warming is to get cows to stop farting so much. And the best way to do that is you put glow, uh, seaweed from the ocean um, into hey. the cow feed. Sounds crazy. I, I, looked, love at, I looked at it. Wild business because here's why. Your point about nobody owns the ocean. It's like if you want to start a farm, you got to go buy farmland. Yeah, you're buying it from somebody. In, you don't in have the to, ocean. You don't have to buy the ocean. Now, sometimes what what you can do is you can actually get somebody to pay you to do it because there's all sorts of things around this acu, uh, uh, aquaculture, aquaculture, right, all this stuff. And uh, and so I talked to a couple of people, and there's a bunch of very wealthy people around the world, especially in Asia, who are like, "Oh, I own an island. Like, I'll just go hire you know 200 people from my home country, and I'll just get them to farm seaweed." Completely. The problem is that the seaweed has to stay fresh to till you get it somewhere, and so uh, the whole seaweed farm culture is like very underrated. And it's, I think it's all about like one company. Like right now, oh, this like, was a, this was like a sixteen year old in a, ding, in a dinghy. Yeah. So like well, I'm sure no, that there I mean, might the, be a couple the other companies. ones, like like the seaweed that is crispy around sushi rolls and stuff. I think it's like a huge. Uh, I think it's like one company makes all the seaweed sushi wraps, basically. Probably. Like huge businesses are in the water. Logistics, yep. shipping, carrier freights, all those things, water. Uh, there are a lot of problems with the water, and that's why I'm investing in startups that can solve those problems. So, so you're talking about uh, surface water, like what's going on on the surface, but like hey. what's underneath the ocean? We don't know anything down there. Yeah, no, there's uh, – we have 100% high-resolution capture of Mars, yep. and we have – only, I think it's five percent of the Earth's seabed at high resolution in uh, for pictures. So we actually wait, have wait, higher wait. resolution of Mars photos than of the Earth's water surface. So we can underwater. take better pictures of space than we can of our own of planet. our own planet. Yep. Yeah. And and so why is that? Uh, well, basically, that's a great question. My All answer is great question. So my answer to that is uh, <laughs> just rolling out the great question. My answer to that is I believe um, in the 50s, uh, JFK and Russia uh, said we're going to space. Uh, and over the next 10 years, I like how just JFK, not the U.S. It was in the U.S. Just it was JFK. just JFK. Legend. Well, he said he has the speech that's like, we're going to go to space because we, we, you know, we want to. It's a great speech. You should listen to it just for inspiration sometime. Um, but the, the uh, uh, he said in over 10 years, we got to space and, and then we got and, then and Russia, we got to the moon. Russia, by the way, and they announced their intention to go to space through uh, Twitter bots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go, go, go. Sorry, go. I called the resist. radio waves. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't resist. And the uh, and and so what happened was NASA got an insane amount of funding around the same time though in the in the early sixties yep. they started a, another program called NOAA okay. and it has been a thousand x less funded than NASA. What and what is NOAA? So NOAA is the monitoring and observation and research of the seas, of the basically. And so what the uh, I forget what it actually stands for. National Oceanic uh, Association and another A. 
or an H. No, it's an A. It's an A. N-O-A-A. Um, association. Association. The ocean uh, organization. And the uh, and so the um, I, so basically my answer is underfunded. That's why. Okay. So the, the reason it captured space captured competition and the imagination. I agree with that. And so we went and we won. We won the moon. Uh, and do you think we went to the moon? I do. Yeah. I think we went to the moon. Why? Well, uh, they have that experiment where they bounce a um, uh, off of uh, there's a mirror up on the moon or a reflection yep. thing, and they bounce lasers off of it to prove that there's something that is not from. I mean, it means that we could have crash landed there, but like we something. Oh, on is there, the there? So there is a mirror that they. There's like a yeah. There's some. I mean, there's a big bang theory about it. I I, uh, I asked a guy one time. <laughs> that's, I, that's I, I like I to joke around and be like, oh, we didn't really go. Like you know, we we can't stream Sunday nights. Uh, football. It's game, like, but, how did we but, go to the moon? Yeah, but like how were we streaming in the '60s there, live from the moon? I, right. There are like these polarizing <laughs> situations like that yeah. where it's like I, there's no way because like. I can't even screw in a light bulb. Like, like, <laughs> look, like, like I'm, I'm obviously joking around, but I did say to one guy, I said, hey, do you believe in, uh, I won't say who it is, but he's hit me with, uh, dude, there's no way we went to the moon. Nobody can show us the flag up there. Yeah, <laughs> I that's was actually, like, I was like, I wow. I mean, that's sort of true. They're like, oh, it's on the dark side. Like, it's over there. <laughs> I was like, man, we got we got an uphill battle to get people to wrap their heads. But I, I do think that we have like a Land Rover on Mars or whatever. Yeah, yeah, of Ro- Rover on Mars. Well, well and people like don't a, know about the moon landing. Was it wasn't just once? It was like what six times in four years yeah. or something, right? Um, but but it does. It, the reason why I bring it up is, uh, but we haven't gone back. Like we haven't really gone back much. Yeah, so, after, like, after like six times. Yeah, and it's been eighty years, seventy years, whatever. Well, since well we here's the crazy back. part. So, like, imagine all the conspiracy theories around just the moon from 60, 70 years ago. To if we land on Mars, oh my God, people are going to be going crazy yeah. about every conspiracy theory in the book. Com- oh yeah, completely. Like, and like, oh, like, that's just VR. Yeah, like, that, like that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're in a we're in a simulation. Simulation. All right. What, what is the biggest opportunity in the ocean? Like if you could say if you said if one company solves X, so the you. biggest enabler of opportunity, which I would argue is the biggest thing, is persistent internet on the water. On, so on one, the water or one, under the water, both. But both okay. to to enable under and over to be able to communicate. Right now, there's a problem where submarines can't really talk to airplanes. Mm-hmm. Like it's a weird problem. Um, there aren't very many people who run into this problem. Yep. I will say, but also just, just the submarines that yeah. can't talk to the airplanes. <laughs> but but uh, I think of it like if there's a network uh, on the ocean, then suddenly it's going to enable more. Like enable more fishermen to be out there, enable more data to be harnessed. Uh, just like, you know, without GPS, Uber wouldn't have been enabled. Yep. Like without like there are these little uh, technology hurdles. And right now we we have Internet covered on land pretty well, mm-hmm. not everywhere, but pretty well. Uh, there's nothing on the ocean. And so in order to get data like photo, video, whatever data from a buoy offshore, to land, it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. So cheapening that will allow for new companies, new stuff. So I would say communications on the on like there's probably some kind of uh, some kind of metric of like I'm just getting water. The, yeah, that's fine. We got that out of the ocean. Um, there's probably something around like the number of connected devices per square mile on land versus the number of connected devices per square mile in the ocean. It's probably like egregiously uh, oh yeah swayed in one direction. Oh yeah, and uh, I would also say like. 
Success based on what? I think that there are a lot of things that could uh, be really, really big businesses. Like, I think the answers to most of humanity's future 50 year problems, like how do we feed 9 billion people? How do we give fresh water to 9 billion people? How do we um, are answered by the ocean? And like, I think people are blind to it because we're very uh, crypto people will appreciate it. Uh, We're very terra maximalist. Like because we're here, we like have farmed animals. 2014 was the first year that we farmed more fish than we caught, which I would argue on land is like 99.9% of all food is caught. I mean, is is, uh, farmed. farmed. Um, And so we still have like 49%. We just had the the flippening. Yeah, we had a flippening of the the oceans. That's here. I'm going to write that down. That's That's my next blog post, the flippening of the oceans. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, All right. So. The, the other thing about the ocean that's super interesting is like – We haven't uh, even gotten to crypto. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't care about crypto. Okay, good. good. Uh, no, but, but the thing about the ocean that is uh, is kind of fascinating to mm. me is just not only do we not know anything, but then it seems like every time somebody goes and does something crazy in the ocean, we figure stuff out. And we're like, whoa, what the hell was that? Yeah. Like, did you uh, – who's the billionaire guy who – I think he's a billionaire. Maybe he's a multimillionaire who uh, – he keeps going to the depths of the ocean, like the deepest points well, of the James, seas. Well, James Cameron is one. Uh, yeah, so he's the movie guy, right? Yeah, he's the movie guy. And, and then, Aquaman. Uh, there's another guy who uh, runs a company in Seattle who's built a he's, – he's trying to make it a t- tourist uh, no, ocean no, no, no. thing. There's a guy – I think he's uh, not from the U.S. and he keeps going down in these one-man submarines. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, awesome. I, I went to the deepest part of the Indian Ocean. And people are like, what? And he's like, yeah, you guys are trying to go to space. I went to the ocean. Like, yeah, no. The I, floor. Like, I there, touched there the is, floor of the Indian Ocean. I think the there, there is a segment of people who are sort of like, why are we going to space? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'm doing both. Like, I've backed space companies, too. But, like, I, I also do have a, hey, why go against gravity? We could use gravity as the energy source to get yeah. us things down there. Um, and... By creating an ownership model in the ocean, like showing that you can make money in the ocean, I actually think the trash heap naturally will clean itself up. So, long story short, I am the solution to climate change. (laughs) (laughs) Not what I thought you were going to say. You want to know one of the things that fascinates me that people don't know? What? Is the underwater cables. Yes. Like people have no clue. They, they just think like it's magic. Like, yeah, I just used this internet thing and it just like flew around the world real quick. There's a great book called The Victorian Internet. The Victorian Internet? Okay. Yeah. What's and, that about? Uh, basically, it's about uh, the first people laying uh, cables to create the telegraph uh, lines between Europe and the U.S. and how they failed four times. And this, this guy was the um, – it's not Morse, uh, the Morse guy who created Morse code. It's not him, but the, there was a predecessor who laid the cables to make this happen and how it was his just like quest to make sure that we connected Europe and the U.S. Um, I mean, they're these big, big cables. Like they're huge. Like, dude, you ever been in the ocean? Like, yeah. It's a pretty big place. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they're huge. And, and it's a, it, well, they're also like thick. They're like huge freaking cables. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just think about like when one of those cables goes out. It's like how much progress is lost. Oh, yeah. Devastating. Yeah. And how really if you figure out where it is, like that's a huge insurance problem. Like Mm -hmm. that's trillions of dollars that are just like down like in every country. Not only the U.S. Well, it's, just it's, like, it's national security stuff too, right? Like, <clears throat> oh yeah, you, you could imagine that if all of a sudden 
we or somebody else knew where ours were or we knew where theirs were and all of a sudden they decided, hey, I'm just going to go cut this. Well, also the Victorian blow it up. The Victorian internet also talks about how the telegraph led to the first level of hackers where people were uh, like creating coded messages and decoding them because of, uh, and it, I mean, it's just fascinating. It's all fascinating right. stuff. Well, um, I'll have to read it. What, what, uh, what, what's the one thing that uh, you're excited about in space? In space? Yeah. I'm really excited about software. Why? In space. Why? Because it's not there. <laughs> hey, explain it. The uh, okay, so basically, uh, well, I'm going to reference one of our companies, but there's a company That's called Cubo. You can show whatever you want. Yeah, right? well, I'm, I'm chilling. Um, but there's a company called Cubo S, and what they do is uh, basically they saw that he was working at a company called Spire that was a uh, satellite uh, mini micro mini satellite micro satellites mini satellites small. the small yeah. satellite uh, manufacturer um, and it's a big company and he realized big that company small satellites all these all these uh, hardware engineers were building the software for this device and he, he he was like this is this doesn't make any sense so he created an open source community that was for space software okay which is wild there is an open source space software community um and then he realized that it's difficult to test software in space. So every satellite has basically the same sensors. So they have, uh, uh, it's like the what's the red sensor and the, the lasers and heat and uh, like they have basically seven sensors. And then uh, what, but they all coordinate differently, just like a computer. A computer has basically all the same pieces, but there's uh, an operating system that ties them all together. They were trying, they're trying to be the Android of this space, but they also can be sort of the AWS. And so they are actually live on two satellites right now where uh, people can test their software. That's pretty cool. In space. Dude, th there was uh, about 24 months ago, there was a bunch of these space companies that all started to build stuff. Like they were doing scientific testing on the ISS. They were doing all this stuff. And uh, that was big when it was uh, what mining uh, asteroids. Yeah. Got really, like everyone was talking about that. And then also uh, if you looked into uh, space manufacturing, Oh, super cool. Like people are going to send they're, up stuff. They're going to manufacture in space and, and then send it back down to and Earth. What you, and what you can do is you can build enormous things mm -hmm. that are that you can, because it's just floating out there. So like 3D printing in space is going to like the killer app of 3D printing is really space manufacturing. It is not on land. Well, it, it's it's iterative processing, I guess. Um, or houses. I'm really excited about 3D printed houses. Same. Yeah, because it, you could give a house. Like, you know, the Tom shoes, yep. you could give a house by buying a house. But but the other piece of it that's <clears throat> interesting is not only how fast it can be built, how uh, efficiently, right, in terms of cost they mm -hmm. can be built. Um, but also, I think that it changes the way. If, if you know that you're going to move into a 3D house, you immediately are okay with lower expectations in terms of the square footage you need. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, like it completely changes the way that people think about their home. And we go from, oh, I need a basketball court in my house. And that would be really sweet. To, hey, you know be. what? Like, I'm pretty okay living in this 3D printed house because it's, it's cool. I can talk about it, blah, blah, whatever. It's like a new age type of quote unquote wealth, but without the price tag. Completely. No, I think three. I mean, I think they're going to be reasonably priced, and I think it, you really don't need that much space. That's what, like, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, at Boost, we do provide housing, and the accommodations are not huge. They are. It's like a dorm Big, room, bigger or small. Okay, dorm. Room. It's like a dorm room, and it has bunk beds, and so, so these teams are literally stacked on top of each other. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> do, do you have a lottery for who gets top, who gets bottom? That's a brilliant idea. We should actually do that. Just do it in VR, though. Maddie. Maddie, I don't do know that. who you are, but I just gave you an idea. I want royalties. <laughs> Maddie. Maddie. Maddie, we should do that. Um, um, all right. So crypto, this thing that uh, you're supposed to come here and talk about. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm here. So first of all. Uh, well, I talked. To, did I, already, I already talked about Brian Armstrong. So we just sucker people in with the Brian Armstrong story to then let them listen to space and notions. Yeah. Um, you're like, oh, well, he invested right, in Coinbase. So I, I have a couple of questions. One, uh, your father, mm-hmm. Tim Draper, yeah. uh, always tells a story about how he initially got excited about digital currencies with a son asking to buy a sword. Was that you? Uh, so, no, he's actually telling a tangential story okay. of a, uh, he was in, I believe it was in Korea, and there's this game that 25% of the country was playing called like Legends. Okay. Or, and they, and he was being told by someone that their son, oh, got it, got he, it, got it. his gift for Christmas was a got like $1,000 sword. Jeez. Or like fifteen hundred dollars yeah. sword or something expensive and this sword. Was, in a but this was game. this was pre crypto, pre digital currencies, yep. pre and it was if, just. If I'm, if I'm clear, it's like early two thousands. Um, it, yeah, early two thousands, right, yeah. and it, it, my my dad started realizing that not only software was going to be expensive in the digital world, it's also going to be like items. Mm-hmm. Like you can develop value of things mm-hmm. in a digital world depending on how much time you're spending in those places, and so he, I think that was his deep seated like thought. Yep. That kept through when cryptocurrencies started to pop up. Uh, he invest, He did. Uh, so we always debate about which of us invested in a crypto company first. And so um, this is what I was going to get to because I, I, if I remember correctly, he passed on Coinbase or he didn't invest and you did? So, yes. Okay. Uh, he he invested in a company called Coin Lab before me. Coin Lab. Okay. All right. Which is no longer around. And uh, that, that was an L for him. Yeah, and it was, and I did Coinbase, and then I brought it to him, and I said, "You should, you should do this deal." Uh, and he, they were, they, he and someone else were uh, like, ah, "No, we already have one. Like, we got one. They're, they're not going to be. It's a winner take all, whatever." Um, and I'm making my my dad was actually very enthusiastic. I'm making it sound like he was the one saying that. My dad's never the one saying that. The uh, he's like a crazy positive person. The but he did think like, okay, we have one. Like, you know, if it's not a winner take all, someone will, they'll do well. Um, but he also at the same time, it was a mining company, and we, we both put in a purchase order for a future mining mined Bitcoin. Um, of a significant amount of uh, Bitcoin at the time because the price of Bitcoin was like, uh, you know, five to thirty dollars. Like mm-hmm. that was basically the range. And they never delivered on that that account, which led my dad to actually buy the U.S. Marshall coin. Got it. Because yeah. it was that many Bitcoin that he was supposed to have. And so he bought it at a much ex- more expensive price later. The, the Marshall store is crazy. But, yeah. the, but the fact that you invested in Coinbase first and he didn't is uh, yeah you, you, you get the last yeah. laugh. Well, you know, the, well, Marshall Coin not not a bad investment. He he called me that morning uh, and he said uh, he he called me. I was on my way to work. I was going to turn on the El Camino. You guys need to know these details. These are important details. Yeah, of course. About where I was, what mindset I was in. I was they don't like, have virtual reality. Li- this is the next best thing. I was listening to Taylor Swift in my Jeep and what song? the, the uh, well, shake it off. <laughs> Uh, just to get in the in the right mindset, and then uh, followed by Tim McGraw, and then my dad called me, and literally he didn't even say like, "Hey, it's dad." He said, uh, "He said, should I do it?" 
And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, I have no context. I'm just driving to work. And he said, should I do it? I said, I don't do what? Um, and he said, should I put it in my bid uh, for the Marshall coin, uh, the U.S. Marshall coin? Um, he made the assumption that everyone was going to bid under the market price. And so he bid over. And I uh, and and I was like, you know, if I could, I would, because I'm like such a true believer. And like we're in a weird spot in the market. It feels like a good time. Um, and so he hung up on me. I didn't know he was going to buy the whole thing. I, I, th- I thought it was going to be like I'm putting in a bid for some, you know, like yeah, you yeah. could put it in a bid and bought like a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And like he bought he bought like he the bought whole the whole cart. Um, and the next like five days, and I didn't find that, that out until like the next, um, two days later when it was released everywhere in media, like it was just all over. And I was like, you put the whole thing, you you got the whole thing (laughs) would have been nice to get the heads up. Uh, but also pray pray that we're right. (laughs) If you're right, you're a legend. If not, oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then I gave him the advice. I was like the final say, like if I said no, like he probably would have second guessed. He might've still gotten it, but he might've second guessed his thought. Um, yeah. So that's the Marshall point. So, uh, what's your thoughts on crypto today? Crypto is awesome. Why? Today. Um, I think I, I don't think I've been this excited about crypto. Are you ever? Wait, hold on. Let's, let's get, uh, your affinities on the table first. Okay. Bitcoin believer, non-believer believer, big believer. Yeah. Like global reserve currency a hundred years from now, believer or like, I'm not against like, okay, first I believe that if the impossible can happen. Mm -hmm. So like, could Bitcoin be disrupted? Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree uh, with that. To date, I believe it. Bitcoin will be a global reserve currency. Okay. I agree with that too. Uh, a timeline? Uh, and obviously the while. timeline isn't, don't hold them to it. Please do. Hold me to it. No. What, what do you think it is? 20 uh, years? 50 years? So what I, what I do say, there are two predictions. So one is I say in the next 15 years, 10 years, actually, I say 10 years, uh, there will be more digital currency mm-hmm. than fiat. Okay. Okay. Um, well, it, well, value it, of digital currency isn't than there fiat. there already more XRP? No, I'm, and I'm, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, then uh, <laughs> you're going to be delirious state. Uh, okay, but the... Uh, so I believe I believe that to be true in the next 10 years. Global reserve currency, I think things happen fast when they happen, but I still think it's 25 years. Like I, okay, I think reasonably trust is being built right now. It's going to work for certain like cultures, certain nations, certain places. Um, I still like I think Bitcoin works the way the Internet works, where it's like I don't talk about the Internet. Like I just talk about using products on the Internet. Yeah. And so like I think Bitcoin works when I can just buy things using Maybe it's U.S. dollars. Or yeah. Maybe the de- denomination is well, something I always, else. I always joke and say, like, like the U.S. dollar is digital currency. Yeah. Right? It's, what, 8 7% is in physical coins or notes? Like, the rest of it's digital and everybody. Yeah, they, everybody. they, they type in more numbers on a, yeah. like, a... All right, what about I would love to know how that actually works. Um, Ethereum, I, I believe that there are going to be different protocols for different things. Like, I think, um, you know, you might... I do think lightning is going to work. I think we will be able to use. I think I'm, scale is not okay, going to be wait, wait, a problem. Hold on, hold on. We got to go slow because I'm not smart. Uh, so Bitcoin believer, lightning. Why do you think it's going to work? So why I think lightning's going to work? I, just, lightning, he's talking about lightning. So the work. same reason that I thought Bitcoin was going to work, like 
there are really, really smart people building really, really great things. It's probably the best execution we're seeing in crypto behind maybe Binance. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's just good. Like, yeah. I think Lightning's just like at the, at how, the end. How do people make money if Lightning works? Like, like what are the ways that you think about if Lightning works as a, as a layer two scaling technology, the places to invest will be blank? What's blank? Well, then it becomes sort of like how to be a gateway for either real world things or natively digital things. So I would probably, if, if, I were, if that just all of a sudden happens, um, I would probably invest in VR meets crypto, uh, like assets in that world. Uh, I believe non-fungible tokens are undervalued like crazy. Why? Um, the reason is I believe that most opportunity lies in regulatory uncertainty. So mm -hmm. crypto was a good example. Oceans is a good example. Um, there are no laws on the ocean. And I think that non-fungible tokens are going to uh, walk this line where they aren't an asset. It would be the equivalent of regulating like Beanie Babies, which is a ridiculous concept. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that NFTs are going to be able to get through all the regulatory like fear and allow the end consumer to use to use crypto without using crypto. And so, like, I, I think that suddenly we're all going to be using these assets, these uh, digital assets uh, that represent like a kitty or a whatever, when really it's show it's it's paving the education gap to denominating this entire building in a, a cryptocurrency, like being able to set auction off pieces of this building. And it's it's really about education at that point. Do you think that the NFTs, like what's the timeline for to get through the regulatory uncertainty? Are we talking like I mean, 12, I think 12 months or 10 I think years? it's more about like we just need a good use case for the like we need a good right. game. I we need I we haven't seen good yet. I haven't yeah, yeah. seen good yet. Like I think uh, See, NFTs to me are the perfect example of great idea wrong time. I'm I'm not farting. I I just moved. The chairs are really it's noisy. Squeaky. It's a squeaky chair. Good audio room, though. This is a good audio room. Yeah, it's fine. We, we have experts in the room, not yeah. me. Um, but yeah, no, I, th I think NFTs are just undervalued because but they you are think such too a early. No, I, th I think you could build a good game like you. You need to people need to stop thinking that they're starting at the end. Like, I just want someone who really, truly wants to build out a great. Uh, uh, what, what's the get, um, Magic the Gathering game on the blockchain and then fiddle with the blockchain as a tool that creates new gamified experiences. Yep. Um, like I think a lot of people think like they launch and then everyone uses it. And like, I, I mean, that's obviously not true. Like mm -hmm. I think the most used product is crypto kitties in the crypto space, Bitcoin, but crypto kitties in the actual non uh, financial space. What do you think and, governments are going to do? How do they play? Forget regu not regulators, like security, not a security, but like what do central banks do, et cetera? Okay. So I'm going to give you two worlds. All right. The first world is my fair to the banking system world. Um, I believe all I really, truly want are better services. Like at the end of the day, that's all mm -hmm. I want. I want and all the user cares about is, can you help me do what I want to do? Yeah. Yep. I just like when my, when I want my money, I want my money. Yep. Uh, when I want to pay for something, I want to pay for something. I don't care if it's the bank or Bitcoin. It's just... The bank has developed such poor service that they forgot who their customer was. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the other side, Bitcoin is developing more trust. S even though it started as like a drug dealing tool, it's developing more and more trust where people just rely on it. 24-7 so uptime for 10 years is something that no one has been able to uh, 
it's so my it. whole theory here is that people trust machines and algorithms more than they trust humans. And inherently, banks are run by it, humans. The financial system is run by humans. But Bitcoin is run by an algorithm completely. That, that just can't fail. And back to like, this. Can't, can't is just like there could be security concerns. It could be 51% attacks, all that. But like the way that it is programmed is it never goes down. And back to the persistence, like things don't really get uh, flipped on until persistence happens. Like Bitcoin is a persistent currency. Like there are no bank hours. Yep. Like it's not I'm relying on my bank to be open. Mm-hmm. That's not a persistent money. Like that isn't that's a choppy money. The, the, I, the, I, I can only access my money for these hours. That's a ridiculous yeah. concept. Well, the, the stock market's closed more hours a week than it is open, all that kind of stuff, right? But the 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 best example of Bitcoin is uh, so Venezuela the powers the power grid went down. The grid went down. And everyone on the internet's been all up in arms about this idea that like People are saying, oh, Venezuela's power grid going down shows the power of Bitcoin. They're like, how the hell can you use Bitcoin without the power, right? But what a number of Venezuelans have posted different stories on Reddit, et cetera, is look, the power grid was down. The banking system was down. I have a generator. I turned my generator on. I could not use the legacy system. I could not go on my website for the bank. I could not go to the ATM. I, I couldn't do anything, even though I have power, but the but the power grid is down. And because they could do that. But with Bitcoin, all I have to do is I just have to I read hit, that. I just have to oh, hit the network. And as long as I have power, doesn't matter if anybody else in my country has power, I can still access my money because I can hit the Bitcoin network. Persistence. Bitcoin network I think down. persistence is more value. Like I, I think people don't, uh, because it, by it being there, you can develop trust in it. And I think that's why, you know, Uber is this persistent, it, it, it delivers certainty. Like I know when the car is coming around the corner, I know that's something like this next generation doesn't know that we had to blindly wait for cars or taxis. Like we had to, like we had to hope that someone was going to show up and then eventually you get a call that's like, oh, we're like 30 minutes out. And you're like, well, I'll go back inside. Like, uh, I think that's like crazy. There's so much transparency, so much certainty. Uh, yeah, I think persistence. I think that's the power of Bitcoin, persistent money, accessibility if there's energy. I think that's fair. Um, what do you think are the one or two companies that somebody should build in crypto that you haven't seen yet? Okay, the things I'm excited about right now, that's sort of like asking me what I'm excited about. Yeah, you just took the question and asked your own question. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, yeah. your, it's your podcast. I mean, guy. what should they build? Okay, build the craziest possible thing. Like, like, like what's the craziest possible thing you could imagine somebody building right now? First, you have to start with the word global. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send you a pitch deck with just the word global. On. Ready? Ready? This is it. <laughs> Go ahead. An ocean city. An ocean city. Built with the economies denominated in Bitcoin. Okay. That would be the craziest thing I could think o- of right an now. An ocean city. Uh, I've actually seen people pitch this before, which is basically something that floats in the ocean and acts almost like an island, but yeah. it's a standalone city. Standalone city. And all of the commerce that's done is done On the with city. a single global currency called Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. That which connects them to the rest of the world. Okay. So that would be one of the craziest things. But if we're talking about like applications, um, I think that somebody's going to tweet at us and be like, I'm building a city in the ocean. Will you come visit? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But okay, crypto portfolios are already underwater. <laughs> <laughs> ah. That was good. Somebody on the live stream just said crypto portfolios are already underwater. That's <laughs> we're already building the digital land of, of the ocean. <laughs> um, I would say. 
So what I'm really excited about right now are user interfaces. So like I think that there's I was I, I'm drawing this to a, a, a other thing. Oh like, man, you, you look like you look like my notebook. You just draw a bunch of stuff, and, and it looks any, like I use it. You can't read yeah, it. Yeah, you can't read any of the words, and then you but, just look at people like, "Did you get it?" But I I, th- <laughs> I think that it's like the power of uh, decentralized services is the difference. First, the difference is basically like centralized services. Let's take iTunes app store, the app store, the mm-hmm. Apple app store, for for instance. Uh, we interact with a user interface. That interface is governed by a process at Apple. Mm-hmm. And then that is built on top of the internet. That is a open rails. Um, the difference between that is completely controlled by Apple, that mm-hmm. entire process. Now, in the decentralized world, the governance system and the user interface are separated. So suddenly, Augur could build their own interface. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're learning is that they should just work on like different dApps. That's the dApp layer, the governance layer, the peer-to-peer network should be building their peer-to-peer network, which is smart contracts and uh, so you're basically making arbitration the stuff. That there shouldn't be vertical integration, but Augur should work on the protocol, and then things like Veil vale should come along and build the or, interface or, on top. Or Guesser, but or yes. Guesser. Okay. Um, did you invest? I did. Okay. Uh, and get, uh, is, is, it, is it better? They're different. <laughs> They're different. Like you're, you're, you're an animal. You're a politician. I I'm bo- <laughs> I, like, I, but I genuinely do think they're different. Okay. Well, I, but, and, but too, but that's the and I don't, I, like I'm not an investor in Vale, but I'm also saying like they're just different. They're going. They're going to end up going after different markets. But it's two separate interfaces using the same protocol. Using the same protocol right? that's built on top of the no. Using the same DAP that's mm-hmm. built on the same protocol. Okay. So like the stack today is Ethereum on the protocol. The DAP layer is uh, Augur. Mm-hmm. And then the interface is Vale or uh, or Guesser. This is going to, you're going to see this stack replicated over a bunch of different uh, Do you think that, so let's call that fragmentation, mm-hmm. right, of the stack. Do you think that the fragmentation has to happen first before then we can get vertical integration? Um. Or, or is it likely to happen? Forget if it has to, but is it likely to happen? I mean, I think we're, what we're going to learn is like s- smart contracts might have their own protocol and the way that people use those smart con I'm sorry, not their own protocol. Like Ethereum might have a bunch of different smart contracts layers. Um, Augur is specifically for prediction markets. So gambling mm-hmm. and is a great use case. Global gambling is like... Why crypto? I want to be able to bet a million dollars against someone who's in Africa. Like you couldn't do that today. Like you could not figure out how to do I, that. I love how uh, like the elites call professional gambling investing. No, so it's still gambling, right? Like if you really think about it, like, like if you buy that building, you are taking a probability bet that, it, that you're going to make money off of more it. time and value will be going into that <laughs> after you buy. That's still gambling, right? Still like, gambling. Yeah, but you, you, it's just we, less risky. We claim. Yeah, it is. It, Unless you're buying in 2007, you can have a hand in the outcome. But you in gambling, you probably have a hand in the outcome. So yeah. uh, most of the time. Uh, unless it's literally just uh, craps or, you know, well, you can still, you can learn the game. You can learn the, the odds. Um, so I think gambling is going to be a good first use case because it was a good first use case with mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Like it was a fantastic use case. Mm-hmm. Like there were, there are still Bitcoin related casinos built on the internet yep. that are not supposed to be accessed by the U.S., but people VPN in and then they gamble. Yeah. Somebody on the live stream is from VPNing in I can, from Iceland. I can neither confirm nor deny whether or not I have done it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but in general, the I think that 
Also, by the way, my interface concept completely uh, relates to Coinbase. Coinbase is an interface that interacted originally just with uh, Bitcoin, which is built on the blockchain. Like, I think there is a s- separation, but they are the same. They are interwoven yeah, so tightly. Yep. Um, and does the most value accrue to the protocol, to the DAP, or to the interface? So I think personally, so I do think the protocol generates value. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to generate a lot that, of money. That, that, it's going to be a big deal. Um, you will make money if you hold that protocol. However, I believe that the closest to the consumer makes the most money. Okay. So, the, so the farther you get away from the, the protocol, farther you get away, the less money you make. The farther you get away from the consumer, the consumer. less money you make. Yes. Or another way to think about it is if there are multiple layers stacked on top of the protocol, the farther you get away from the protocol, the yes. more money you'll make. Yes. So the farther away from the protocol. So my con- it's actually a little contrarian in the market is like I, I think that the the UI ends up being the winner. But I, I it, it might get super fragmented. So you might be able to, there are going to be a thousand UIs that are auger on top of Ethereum. Like yeah, there yeah. could be a thousand. So so uh, th- that are used for different things. Like we'll verticalize in different yeah, yeah. ways. I definitely agree with you, and I think that owning equity in those companies is going to be way more valuable than owning tokens over a long period of time, uh, especially because there is a there's a higher probability than not that the most important protocols are already built. Now, which ones are they is a whole other situation. Oh, so I, I'm certain – I always think disruption can happen, but I am certain that the ones that builders are building on – it's the stuff that's there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people just want to build. And so like Ethereum is being used and built on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bitcoin is being used and built on. Like mm-hmm. people are trying the things that are tried and true mm-hmm. because the market's there. Like they don't want to build an app on something that doesn't have any velocity. Yep. Like if there's no velocity, like why? I agree with that. What's the one thing that you would change in crypto if you could? I would say. Other the- than own more Bitcoin. Yeah, I would I would stack that up. Um, the one thing I would change is uh, not the speculation. I actually think the speculation did a service to the market. Um, Agreed. I would change. I, I want people to see the actual value, though. Like, I, I think it would just be like better education. That's what I would say is like, I think. People went in because they saw money and they know they're supposed to make money. Like yep. that's a thing in humans. Like yep. we're supposed to make money. So let's. there's money there. Let's go to it. I would much rather people be building towards like their own personal mission. And if crypto overlaps with it, uh, they build with that. So I, it's an education thing rather than I think there's so little good education and it does take time and Buying crypto helps where mm-hmm. you have skin in the game, mm-hmm. like to educate yourself on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would love just better financial education as well as in crypto. Um, it helps you understand how incentives work. Mm-hmm. And then it helps you understand, like, at the, at the end of the day, it makes better services. And so, like, it almost has nothing. If I could change one thing, I want the words blockchain, crypto and Bitcoin to go away. And I want people to be using them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Look, we, we talk about a lot. Uh, we're moving to a digital world and you need digitally native assets. You need digitally native accounting. You need digitally native contracts. And the winners are the gateways right now. So yeah. it's and like, by the way, we didn't just use blockchain or crypto in any of that. 
Yeah. And in a digital world, you need to be immerse yourself in it, which is virtual reality. That's fair. In the ocean. Yeah. And then you need an ocean that has uh, Bitcoin native uh, population. (laughs) All right. Rapid fire to end this thing. Fantastic. uh, Because I have to go pretend to be an adult and do other things. I probably do too. What time is it? Well, you probably have like a meeting or something. I don't know. We've been talking for like six hours. Um, What's the most important company in crypto? Okay, well, you say it again. What's the most important company? <laughs> what's the most important company in crypto? Uh, most important. Co- no wonder we covered so much uh, legroom. Um, the Im- most important company in crypto is Coinbase. Ah, that's usually the second most important company I say after Facebook. But why do you say Coinbase? Just because it's the interface and brought so many people on. Yeah, I, I just think they legitimize the space. Like, I think people don't give Brian specifically enough credit for what he had to do and uh, how much value he's delivered to the market by educating institutions, by educating investors and building a product that was the easiest way to get in. Um, I would also say uh, I would also say on the other side, on the jurisdictional arbitrage side, I would say Binance is really important. So I would actually third is Facebook. Third? Mm-hmm. My whole thing is just they've got the users, whatever they give to people. Good, people are going to have good, bad, indifferent. It's I think gonna, it's going to be. A, I think a we are going to plus people. For I, sure, I think we are going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, completely, by, completely agree. Uh, by the Facebook token. Do you think it's going to be decentralized? I mean, ish. Like I think that they will have steps towards decentralization. Okay, that's fine. That's what my guess would be. I would guess my, that it's okay, built so, in a way. So I would say that it's going to be more decentralized than people are anticipating. Yeah, I bet. I I, I believe that yeah, this is their true. Uh, this is David Marcus's mission. He yep. wants this to exist, and he's true about it. I do think that. Facebook wouldn't build something if they're not going to control a piece of it. Like I, I see. I that's think. where I actually disagree. I, I think that they can control a lot of the infrastructure and interfaces and stuff. So they're the, thinking the actual the, currency itself. It could be the glue that sort of interacts with everything. Yeah. They would. They would have. They would single handedly be the biggest nation on the planet that yeah. has their own native currency. Like, Look, I, I worked at the company. I'm biased. I'll, I'll throw it all out there, right? But the one thing that I know about that group of people, they're not playing for second place. Yeah. Right? Like, they're, like they're going to go try to change the world and do some, cr- like, just epic stuff. Well, you're, you're saying we're building a digital world. Like, we could argue that Facebook already did build yeah. it. And that they there is no native currency there yet. And now there is one. And Absolutely. so. I mean, I also, you know, I also think Twitter's going to play a big role. Like, I, I mean, it does. Yeah, Jack, as, far as, killing it. as far as communicating with Twitter people, like, <laughs> like crypto people, um, and he's made, he's openly made just incredible moves towards making more leaders of the world excited about Bitcoin. Like yeah. when I when I Jack to, made Bitcoin cool. Yeah, when when I go to these meetings with, uh, well, you you do this too, but in endowments, foundations, institutions, like it's no longer like should we or should, like I'm not investing in crypto. It was default no yep. for a really yeah, long yeah, time. Yeah. Now it's I'm going to. I'm, How am I'm I going to? It. Yep. And they their questions are much more around like. How should we allocate? Not so. It's it's smart. It's good questions. Mm-hmm. It's not about how it works anymore. Yep. And they 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 have a uh, infection in every group. Like there's oh, one. Yeah. The virus. There's, the virus has spread. The virus spread. Somebody. The they virus somebody. infected like somebody, and they're just obsessive about it in yeah, every yeah. single group. The the um we should go and pitch institutions together and like just go dress like this and yeah. I'll be like he's so smart he's so, so smart. So I've learned uh, this can be one of my last lines if you want it to be, but I've learned that there are two types of people in this world. Okay. The people who accept the person who wears orange pants, and the people who do not. <laughs> 
And that's their problem, right? <laughs> and, and that's on them. And so it's like, you know, I'm just being as me as possible in the meetings. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I'm just. Do, people, do ever people like, is there like a, a visceral reaction to the orange pants? No, it's just yeah. always like, are, is this person taking it seriously enough? And so like, yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of an uphill battle explaining myself sometimes. But like, in general, it's more, uh, you know, you well, the first question they always ask is how many pairs do you have? Yeah. And how many? Well, two. Two. How many days have you been wearing this pair? Four in a row. Four in a row? That's yeah. not that bad. Like it was my I, trip to New York. Yeah. Like sometimes I wear the same socks like seven days in a row, whatever. Yeah. Well, socks, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Socks. <laughs> I thought you were just going to roll with that. I was going to be really worried. I thought you were going to be like, actually, I wore mine one time eight days. Uh, like, I don't, actually, I don't know why I'm that way about socks, <laughs> no, but like, socks, I really don't want to wear You can't twice. wear socks two days in a row. No, yeah. that, 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 that across the They line. get a little uh, Pant, Pants gross. are fine, whatever. Even t-shirts would be a little weird. I'll admit, I go into my, when, when my dirty laundry is... Uh, like overwhelming I'll go into the dirty socks and like pick them out if I'm out of socks yeah. Just, you, have, you have cleaner dirty socks on right now uh, these are clean these are clean yeah, yeah. I, good I, job. I only pack clean socks so good we're job. good on we're good on socks <laughs> alright what's the most important book you've ever read um, so it depends on stage of my life I would say I uh, Overall, I reread Harry Potter, and I think it just captures the imagination in a way. One of my biggest fears is that uh, people's imaginations are dying, and one of the vehicles I use to try to change that is through investing Mm -hmm. uh, in companies that are going crazy and doing things. And then on the, um, uh, I would say, so Harry Potter, and then on the other side, uh, I think essentialism came at a perfect time for me personally, Mm -hmm. where I was becoming very overwhelmed with a lot of different things, family uh, and work. And the, uh, and it helped me just focus on the right things at the right time. So I would say those are the two that are on the top of my head that like, as far as impact on my life, those two. Are aliens real? Uh, I have so many thoughts. You're asking me like the the deep questions now. Yeah, come on. Um, we got five minutes. First aliens off, real. And first, then you could ask me a question, then we're done. First off, if we go to a planet, we are aliens. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So aliens are real. Yeah, we're well, on Mars. Only if we, we go we're, to a planet. But, yeah. but do you count the moon as a planet? No, it's a what are, what are they called? <laughs> I wish I had the word on the top of my head. Uh, the the uh, so my my answer is. I'd like to believe. Did you see the story that like there was a? That they feel that there was a oh, spaceship. Oh, astro- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, it's a Harvard professor. A Harvard professor yeah, we believes there was a real spaceship. Here. I need to get. I need a alien expert to come on and debunk my beliefs or prove them correct because I'm at the point now where you're full alien. I mean, look again, you can go the math argument and just be like, come on. But I mean, you've talked to crypto people. How can you not believe in aliens? One of the craziest thing that I've read about space, because now everyone sends me the space stuff, right? Like, oh, this guy's weird. Like here, they read this thing and they always DM it to me from an anonymous account. By the way, this is the best brand you can have. The best brand you can have is like you, you. Oh, you like crazy stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm all in on crazy. Um, just ask my girlfriend. Uh, but the, uh, the the part that uh, is is uh, just just blew my mind was there's two galaxies right now that are colliding, and they can see this or something. And I actually don't remember what happens when two galaxies collide. And they go. And by the way, our galaxy is going to collide with those two. Other Come, galaxies. Well, those two other galaxies in 4 billion years. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. S- like, the idea of two planets colliding would be pretty scary. Like, if we were just like, yo, Mars, what's up? Bam. Just like bumper cars. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what happens when galaxies collide? Uh, good title to an album. 
<laughs> Bono? Bono? When galaxies collide, uh, shotgun for that band name. Um, I Well, I think uh, things would be different. Yeah. Would be my answer. So that, like that's the stuff for when space is just like, come on, if there's other galaxies colliding out there and all this stuff. There's got to be aliens. Like we're like we. we so, no, I, I believe that there are aliens. Okay. All right. I actually go back and forth on parallel universes, too. But like I, I, uh, I, I don't know. Where if I, need, I don't need to confess like how incredibly weird I am on this yeah, podcast. Fine. I don't think I'm just going to um, change the name of the podcast to weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, I, mean, I appreciate come on, enthusiasts. Yeah. OK. Enthusiasts. OK. Yeah. Rest of the world weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what one question do you have for me? Um, OK. What is the biggest adventure you have ever been on? The biggest adventure? Um, uh, in 2015, on 12 hours notice, I booked a flight to uh, Medellin, Colombia by myself. I went, uh, landed, didn't know where I was staying, got an Airbnb, <laughs> said to the host, like, hey, man, what's there to do around here? I read that this is one of the like top 25 up and coming destinations. Uh, and it's like, there was arbitrage between everyone thought it was super unsafe because of all like the narco stuff, all stuff, but it actually was like one of the safest places now because they've really cleaned it up. And he was like, Oh, there's a bunch of things to do, blah, 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 whatever. And one of those things was, uh, to go see, um, what is his name? Uh, not El Chapo. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the narcos guy. Narcos guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what is it? What is the dude's name? I'm um, blanking on his name. It's called Hacienda Napoles. Is uh, is the uh, name of the place? And Pablo. Escobar. Pablo, Pablo Escobar. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And the internet finally. I, I, I was. I knew that we were yeah, going to yeah. get it. Pa- Pablo Escobar. So you can go to Pablo Escobar's compound. It's like an hour and a half, two hours out. You take this bus, and then you kind of walk up there, and uh, it was wild because. Like you're literally in the backwoods of Colombia, walking around Pablo Escobar's uh, thing, and there is a federal prison that they have built, and literally the people are, are in cage, like fenced cages, and you can see them. And I just remember being like standing there in a moment, just being like, "Whoa, where? What did I do? Like, how did I get here?" <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> wandering, like, the like, wandering. Yeah, and, and I just remember like it was just every day for like a week. I just woke up like, what do I want to do today? Bam, just went and did it, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. And so since then, uh, that led to um, I've done a bunch of these now. Like I went to Israel. So on, it sparked you to yeah, to do this more. My brother and I went to uh, India for two weeks and uh, just do things like, hey man, you like let's stop taking Ubers. Like you want to just run motorcycles. He's like, I never driven one before. <laughs> and so we rented motorcycles in this busy Indian uh, village oh or city. Oh my gosh. And, and he's in, driving Indian around. traffic is just unbelievable. Ridiculous. First time he ever drove a motorcycle. <laughs> so stuff like that is just like, look, it's just like you're in charge of your own life. Like either you're going to get the shit done or you're not. And like you're going to have some fun along the way. So uh, whatever. Are you ready? I'm going to leave you with a quote. Okay. Pat, Pat, Pat McNamara went on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast recently. Yeah. And I heard this quote. And it's just seared in my brain. Okay. He hit him with, every night is Saturday night. Every morning is Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, what a legendary life motto to live by. <laughs> well, is it Anthony Bourdain? My my body is a, a carnival or something like that. Like, the, it's, it's like, just live life to the fullest. Yeah, just do whatever you want. All right, man. This is a this is a uh, absolute pleasure. I had a fun had a fun time. I can't even talk anymore. We've talked so much. We talked a lot. I did not realize we went over an hour and thirty seven minutes. Were we supposed to which, go less? No, we're we're supposed to just go until you get tired of talking. 
Ethereal Summit returns to New York City this May 10th and 11th to kick off Blockchain Week and offer you a chance to go deep into the heart of crypto, blockchain, and Ethereum. Get up close and personal with outspoken crypto leaders like Mike Novogratz, Joe Lubin, Tushar Jane, Danny Ryan, and yours truly. Ethereal Summit is where you can get into the mix with the builders of blockchain and Ethereum. It's Les Schiller, all killer. That's a trademark. Les Schiller, all killer. And it's way more than just a blockchain conference. Check out etherealsummit.com with my discount code POMP to get 20% off tickets to come hang with me and hundreds of the brightest minds in blockchain at Ethereal Summit New York, May 10th and 11th at Pioneer Works in Brooklyn. Les Schiller, all killer. Etherealsummit.com. Hey everyone, POMP here. If you like this episode of Off The Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.